And we're talking about our values, our values of, of a, as a congregation. You know, what is value? You know, don't say a hardware store. Don't say that. What, what are values? Values are the beliefs of a person or a group. Values. Values are what an individual or group is for and what they're against. Values are seen in what an individual or group is passionate about and reflects to others. Values. Individuals and groups within the body of Christ share many of the same general values, such as um, our faith, forgiveness, prayer, obedience. These aren't only doctrines, they're also values that we live by. And one of the specific values, and I'm going to be talking about more values that we, that we, that we hold in high regard in our congregation, Grace Christian Fellowship, one of the specific values of this congregation is something called body ministry. Body ministry. Body ministry simply means when the body ministers to the body. Body ministry is when uh, members of this congregation minister their spiritual gifts and natural abilities to the congregation unto God. And we all have abilities. Some are natural, some are developed. But we all have spiritual abilities. I want us to look at some scriptures to back this up. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So to each believer, a manifestation of the Holy Spirit is given. But it's not for you. It's for us. It's for, it's for the common good. It's for other people. It's not for you. So if you have a gift of prophecy, you have a spiritual gift of, of, um, of any of the 1 Corinthians 12 gifts, any spiritual gift, okay, it's not a gift for you. And that's why you have to stir these gifts up. Because if you don't stir these gifts up and use them, you're being selfish. And you're gonna, and because it's not for you. But God holds you responsible to manifest these to the rest of us. Same way with the abilities. You've got these abilities. And so it's your responsibility to stir these things up, to make time. Nobody has a lot of time to make the time to do these things unto God. Someday you're going to have to stand in front of Jesus and he's going to say, what did you do with the spiritual gifts that I gave you? What are you going to say? It's not going to wash, whatever you say. Or to do things of your abilities, to do things within the body of Christ. You've got certain abilities to do things, whether they're in... You know, some people, most people have these, have these abilities. It's not upfront stuff. It's the behind-the-scenes stuff. But the behind-the-scenes stuff is probably the most important stuff. You know what I mean? People, people that will pick up, will see a piece of paper laying on the, laying on the, the sidewalk, yeah, or the grass out there. You know, I, when I come in, I usually pick them up myself. But you, I, I've seen some of you, you, walk, you look at it, walk right by it. Pick it up. You know, you say, well, it's not my ministry. Just pick it up. You got an ability, pick it up. 
You know, we all have special abilities. But we need to chip in and help each other. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ, and he gave us a ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. So picture this. You just breathed your last breath. You made it to heaven, where you get your rewards. And the question is, you knew you were an ambassador while you were on earth. What did you do with it? What are you going to say? What kind of excuse are you going to give? I was shy. I didn't have opportunities, didn't have time. None of those are going to wash. None of them. None of them. We're to be involved, see, not only in our spiritual gifts, our natural abilities, acquired abilities, but also we're all, we're all to be ambassadors for Christ. We're to bring the message of reconciliation. You say, I'm not a good speaker. Doesn't make a difference. Doesn't make a difference. You say, well, I'm only 12 years old. Doesn't make a difference. Doesn't make a difference. You've got unsaved friends. Bring them to Crusaders. We've got home fellowships, wonderful home fellowships. If people, if your friends, family, your friends don't want to go to a church, bring them to home fellowship. They'll be taken care of there. It's wonderful. We have all these responsibilities. Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. To do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God knew you before you were you. And he started putting things in you, even while you were in the womb, so you could do the works that he wants you to do. You know, in any congregation, any local church, there's two types of people. There are those who are rowing the boat, and those who are not rowing the boat. And I've been doing this for a long time, and I found the ones that were not rowing the boat, they're the ones that are rocking the boat. We don't need rockers, we need rowers. Now, we have a lot of rowers... But listen, sometimes you've been rowing for a long time, and what you say, here's what you say. I've been rowing for so long, I'm going to let the younger people row now. So when you stand before the judgment seat, and Jesus asks you, he says, why'd you quit rowing? I never said quit rowing. I never said quit being involved, utilizing your spiritual gifts and abilities. Who gave you permission to stop? What are you going to say that's going to wash? See, here's a crazy thing. When we get saved, okay, it's wonderful getting saved. Cost Jesus everything, cost us nothing. But once we get saved, we have expectations. You say, well, I didn't sign up for that. It doesn't make a difference. It comes with the program. It comes with the program. Just like the little kid that's, that's, that says to his mother. What did he say to his mother? He said, why do I have to pick up my clothes? They're not my, 
I didn't buy those clothes. Mother says, yeah, I bought those clothes, but you have responsibility. Yeah, but I didn't ask for that responsibility. When you came, in, when you came a member of this household, you got that responsibility. You know, it's one of those things. Kids, we have a, kids have a rationale not to do what, what the parents want you to do, right? I know you have that rationale in many, in many areas, okay? But when you grow up, you have grown-up thoughts, and you realize you do have responsibilities. Fact is this. Here's a fact. We have, we have been created by Christ to join him in the work he has prepared for us to do. You say, well, I don't, I don't know what work I can do. Talk to Phil McCabe. Talk to Phil McCabe. He has, a, he has a ministry. He's like our spiritual headhunter. You know, find people jobs. He'll find you something to do. And you say, well, I want to do something really important. Well, listen, that's nice. But we're not going to give you something really important until you can prove yourself in some things that are less important. We'd be stupid to give you some responsibility when you're not responsible. So you got to show yourself responsible. God has given each of us spiritual and natural abilities for the common good. And when we are ministering these abilities, we are showing God in our lives. And everyone benefits. So because of body ministry is something that we value, that's one of our values, one of our values, we believe, number one, Mike, every member should be a minister. We believe that. Don't tell me you're not a minister. You've been given a ministry. Number two, every member has a ministry. Every member is important, and every member is dependent on another. If you drop the ball, some people go without don't drop the ball. I remember years ago, someone was supposed to set up for a communion. This was many years ago. Someone was supposed to set up for a communion. And they didn't show. And they didn't have somebody else do it. And so somebody else in church said, well, I'll do it for them. I'll cover it. I said, no, don't do it. We're not going to take communion. Why is that? Because I want them to know when they drop the ball, we go without. And you know what? That couple's never dropped the ball since. This morning, um, we're going to hear a testimony from a fellow by the name of Jace Robinson, Robertson, from the reality show Duck Dynasty. You ever see Duck? How many of you have the courage to say you saw Duck? Most of us, okay. Okay. And uh, he's going he's to talk about the value, not yet. He's going to talk about the value of faith. But first, before uh, we, we see this, 11-minute uh, DVD. Um, I want us to read the parable of the sower. So follow along with me. The parable of the sower. Then he told the many things in parables. That's, he is Jesus. Saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly. Because, it, because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. 
Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. And then verse 18, listen to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away that which was sown in the heart. That's why learning the Bible is so important. That's why taking a pickle course is so important. That's why attending this course that Mike, Pastor Mike is going to be presenting is so important. This is the seed that was sown along the path. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of, the, because of the word, he quickly falls away. I've seen so many people like that. Lots of people like that. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. I've seen a lot of people like that too. But the one who receives the seed <coughs> that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word, understands it. He produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. That's what I'd like for all of us to be like. We have understanding of the word. We exercise our faith. When things happen, we don't run away. When the cares of this world, and believe me, there's all kinds of cares of this world. Family cares, all kinds of cares. Okay, or the deceitfulness of riches. You know, uh, it's, you know dad, my dad used to say, rich or poor, it's good to have some money. Okay, but when you're out of, when you're out of balance and, and you're always working, always working, always working, always working, you know, what does a man gain if he, if he has, acquires the whole world and loses his soul? So, I've seen a lot of believers like that. A lot of believers that that are, are so into materialistic things and that, uh, that they, their faith dissipates and they backslide. So we're going to see right now this, uh, this DVD. Mike? And then I'll finish up. What is faith? The Bible says faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. When I was 14 years old, I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ based on me hearing the message of what he did for not only me, but for humanity. Here comes Jesus down to the earth, God in human form, he lives a perfect life. He dies on a cross for the sins of the world. He's buried and then resurrected, proving that he triumphs over death. He then goes to the right hand of God where he mediates for those who have put their faith and trust in him. So when I heard that, 
When I heard that, I responded. I surrendered. I reenacted his death, burial, and resurrection in water. My faith and trust has been in him ever since. Now, some people, when they look at my family, they actually think it's a ridiculous faith, perhaps redonkulous, because they look at us based on our external appearance, and they think we're either a bunch of wild, crazy people who are just cutting up every way possible, or they think we're homeless, or they think we're a threat. So as they come closer and see who we are, they realize that we are people of faith because we have placed our faith in a being, specifically Jesus Christ. Up until I was 14 years old, I was a pretty shy guy. I hunted and fished a lot, but I didn't say a whole lot out in public. And people kind of viewed me as socially shy, and that was a correct assertion. I'd just soon be in the woods and hunt and fish and do my own thing. But once I put my faith in Christ, I realized that this is not something that I was going to be able to be silent about. Plus, I started noticing girls for the first time, and I realized, you know, if I don't have a conversation with a girl, I'm probably not going to get a date. So I said, I need to be a little more vocal about my faith, and at the same time, you know, maybe I can get a date if I can find a spiritual woman who shares the same views about Christ that I do. So that was my plan. The problem was, whenever I would go to school or I would get out in public, I would get a little nervous about speaking up, especially about my faith. And then I had an instance where everything changed. When I was in high school, we had landlines for phones. I mean, you had to walk over, grab the phone. It's plugged into the wall. And if you want to talk to somebody, you push the numbers and you're right there. There were no cell phones. So I had an interesting call one night at about midnight, but it was right after I had just prayed about being more vocal and bold about my faith. And the person that called me just sat there. I don't know if it was a prank caller or they planned on just sitting there. So I was fixed to hang up because I was like, hello, hello, hello. And then it hit me. I thought, you know, here I am struggling with sharing my faith and I have a person calling me who is just sitting there. So just like a light switch, I just said, you know what? I'm glad you called because I've been wanting to share my faith in Christ and I've been unable to do so in public because I'm shy. So I'm going to share with you what I'm in on. And I started right there and I introduced this unknown caller to Jesus Christ. Now, after about 10, 15 minutes, I kept trying to get them to say something and they wouldn't respond. But I could tell someone was there because I would hear the phone go down and then I heard pages rustling and I assumed that they were following along in their Bible. So this Bible study went on for three hours. I basically ran out of material and I said, look, I'm sleepy. I appreciate you calling. I feel good about this. Why don't you call back tomorrow night? Same time. Lo and behold, the next night at midnight, they called me again and just sat there. So here we go again. I put another three hours in, and I noticed when the person on the other end of the phone doesn't respond, you can really bring it. 
I mean, I was getting after him. And after about three hours, I heard this outcry of emotion, and they hung up. And so after that moment, I realized, you know what? This is real. I realized that the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and what he's doing at the right hand of God right now is the most powerful message on earth. What else could I have shared that a person would have sat there and listened to for six hours? It's real. Everyone is in need of forgiveness, and everyone would love the opportunity to live forever. And Christ provides that. So when I shared that message with her, it changed my life because I realized what Philemon verse 6 says. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of everything we have in Christ. It became real. I then realized that God uses flawed individuals to make His Son known. So not only do we have faith, we have faith in action every time we share it. My conversation with this unknown caller didn't lead to a response where I knew what happened. I never heard back from the person. But what it did in a practical way is it fired me up for Christ because I thought this is real, this is powerful, it's captivating. From that moment on, I shared Jesus Christ with everyone in earshot. I sat down and made a list of all my friends and family, and I systematically went down through the list. It was over 100 names. And I said to myself, I'm going to approach this person, I'm going to ask if I can share my faith, and I'm going to share Jesus with them all. And I did. So, and from then on, I just finally realized, you know what, it's about your lifestyle, and it's looking for opportunities to introduce Christ to other people. And through that sensation, I realized what I think true faith is and that it is not about me. This is not about my story. What I share is Christ's story because that's what changed my life and that's what can change the world's. So that's what I do. That's what I've been doing since I was 14 with the help of a prank caller. And basically, I feel like that's what faith is. A lot of people, when they talk about faith, they think it's some kind of belief system or they want to have a discussion about Bible verses or have arguments or discussions. I believe it is a person, a being, and his name is Jesus Christ, and we introduce that being to other people. And that's the hub. My first God experience after witnessing the transformation of my parents' lives was actually out in the woods. I was hunting. I looked around. And I remember just stopping everything and thinking, somebody built this. This earth is just too incredible to come from nothing. And so the seeds of God were planted basically on the observation of His creation. I thought this has a design and it demands a designer. And the more I began to reflect on that and think about that and ask questions about that, the more spiritual conversations I started having. And through that, I was led to hearing the message of Jesus Christ and what He did for not only my sins, but for the hope of me living forever. So after I placed my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I then realized that there are different kinds of hearts in our world. The parable of the sower, what it means to me 
is that it represents the four different types of hearts on the earth. The first heart, hears the word about Christ and just absolutely rejects it. The second heart represents the seed that fell among rocky places where there was no root, the soil was shallow, and the sun scorched it. And what happens is when someone hears the message about Christ, they're persecuted. And that second heart represents those who cannot take the persecution of their faith, so they fall away. The third heart is the seed that comes up, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, choke it, making it unfruitful. This is the type of heart that sometimes church buildings are full of. They come to church and sing songs, but they have no faith in the Christ. It's kind of like a social club. They're worried about, they're more worried about created things rather than the Creator. But the fourth heart is the one that hears the Word, understands it, puts their trust in Christ, and then produces a crop. That's the heart that realizes that God uses you to make Christ known. And whatever you do, in action or in word, He uses you. And it's powerful, and it draws people to God through the message of His Son. And that's the fiery faith. That's the ridiculous faith. The perhaps redonkulous faith. I've never heard the term redonkulous. But I'm just saying. What's redonkulous is that somebody that looks like me can be possessed by the same God who made the planet. And He uses me, despite my flaws, to make the knowledge of His Son known. So all you have to do is vocalize it and live it in your life. And if He can use me, He can use anybody. preach because the whole family knows he's the goofy one but they all know when he talks about things of faith he's not so goofy but it's, it's entertaining but it's a good word it's a very good word <clears throat> question is this what kind of soil will you be you can't say what type of soil you will be because things have got to happen only time will tell what kind of soil you will be but if you want to be the kind of soil that's productive, you need to prepare yourself. Now, the key is to trust in God, yet prepare yourself. Trust in God, yet prepare yourself. Trust in God, yet prepare yourself. So the key is to what? Trust in God, yet prepare yourself. It's like the fellow who says he wants his boat to come in. Well, he has faith that his boat's going to come in. Yes, you can believe that. But you know what? You better build a dock so your boat can come in. You know what I mean? And faith without works is kaput. So the key is to trust in God, yet prepare yourself. And here's how you prepare yourself. 
to prevent to uh, prevent from being like the first three grounds that were not productive. Here's three things I suggest uh, you do to prepare yourself to be productive. These are three suggestions. You can take them or not. But I'm telling you, these are the three things I believe you need to do. Number one, make it a priority to attend weekly meetings. People that do not attend weekly meetings, they kind of fall away very quick. I'll tell you, I'm talking from experience, and, and you've known people like this. Make it a priority to attend weekly meetings so the Holy Spirit can speak to you from, from a time of worship or from a time of the sermons. You make it a priority. Some people, they get saved, but they don't make it a priority to go to, go to the meetings. The Bible says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together or some in the habit of doing. We need to be in the habit of coming together when we have our services. Going to a... Uh, the services and, and making it a habit, it's a, it, making it a must in your life is is kind of like going to a counseling appointment. You know the people the people that with the Holy Spirit, the people that, that attend services the most are the people less than are the ones that I don't have to talk to too much in counseling. Number two, so, so number one is make it a priority to attend weekly meetings. Number two is not only read. Not only read the Bible, too many people just read the Bible, but learn what it says. And what does it say to you? What's the application? To learn Bible stories is one thing. Learning Bible stories, that's for the children. But when you look at, you look at this, and you look at, you look at the meaning, and what it means, what's God saying to you through these scriptures? That's important. Personalized. Let God speak to you through the scriptures. And number three, this is important. It's join a home fellowship group where you'll learn more and can have your questions answered. A home fellowship is a place where you'll be encouraged to hang in there when times get tough. A home fellowship is a place where you can exercise some spiritual gifts that may, you, may, you may feel uncomfortable in exercising here. People that go to home groups are usually the solid citizens in the local church, the solid citizens in the kingdom. You see, they make it a priority that of not only coming together to hear the word of God and to worship God, but also to minister God's word. And it's not always in the local assembly on, su- on Sundays or Wednesdays. It's in the home groups, the home groups. So attending a home fellowship is not just another program. This is really important, really important. To prepare yourself. Fact is this. You're important to God and he wants you to be productive. So trust in him. Trust in God and prepare yourself. Trust in God and prepare yourself. So you say, okay, I'm trusting in God. I say, that's good. How are you preparing yourself? You need to do both. Trust in God. To trust in God and not prepare yourself, you're looking for a disaster. Okay? To trust in God and prepare yourself. It's important. Trust in God and prepare yourself. Can you remember that? You need to trust in God and prepare yourself. Why? So you could be productive in the kingdom. To be a lasting saint.
a lasting saint. So I'm speaking on our values. And today I talked on, on the value of body ministry. And you heard a testimony. And uh, next time I speak, we'll talk about another value. And I'll, you'll hear from the, another one of the Robinsons. Okay? Um, this guy was probably, I enjoyed him. I enjoyed hearing Jace, but he's probably the most boring of all the guys. The other guys are different. different. And um, the, uh, I heard one of them speak. I, was at, I, I mentioned this before. I was at a conference where I heard the, uh, the, the non-bearded one of the brothers, and he's the preacher. He's the preacher. But I heard he's growing a beard now. You know, you just, so, uh, but I heard him speak, and, and he was talking about his brothers. And this is a funny story. You've heard me talk it before. I'll say it one more time. But he t- what this guy was talking, the preacher was talking about all of his family. And he says, yeah, my, my family's like a bunch of Labradors. He says, he says, so and such and so and such, they're like a black lab. And then so and such and so and such, they're like a yellow lab. And then we have so and such and so and such, they're kind of in between, they're like a brown lab. He says, then we have Uncle Cy, and he's like a meth lab. <laughs> I said, that is really funny. Everybody cracked up, cracked up. Well, let's all stand together. Let's all stand together. So what I want you to take home is this. Trust God and prepare yourself. Trust God and prepare yourself. God expects that, by the way. Please receive his blessing. God wants to bless you. Number 621. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. And be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. Peace in your heart as you're trusting in God and you're preparing yourself. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.